0: Hello and welcome to The Future Report, a podcast hosted by social research company McCrindle for anyone curious about the future. My name is Ashley Fell and each week I'll be sitting down with a guest to discuss a topic or trend that you need to know about. There's no doubt that the experience of the last two years has been transformative, Now, looking to the year ahead, we foresee important demographic, economic, social, technological, environmental, and even political shifts to take place. Now, as futurists, we believe that it is essential that leaders are equipped with an understanding of how to spot the trends, which is sort of what we covered in our last episode of the podcast, and what those trends are, which is what we're going to talk about today. So, what can we expect to see and change over the year ahead? Joining me to share our predictions for the top trends of the year is social researcher Jeff Braley. Hey Jeff, great to have you back on the podcast again.
1: Yes, great to be here. Thanks for having me in 2022. It's great to be with you.
0: An exciting year, a big year ahead. Maybe people entering it with a little bit of trepidation. We didn't think maybe the first month might have panned out how it has, especially here in Australia. And Jeff, why do you think it is important for people and leaders to be thinking about the future and be prepared with an understanding of what the trends might look like?
1: Yeah, it's great to be prepared for the future and it's, it's a lot of fun to predict the trends and last episode's a fantastic example of what ways to spot trends. But what I think is really important for leaders to understand is that preparing for the future is their responsibility. And this is where I think of. Back on my summer holiday, I got to prepare for surfing as a, uh, a wannabe surfer. It's a lot of fun. I got out with my nephew and brother-in-law up the coast, and somewhere on the mid-north north coast on a, uh, a early morning, we were exploring for an ideal place to surf, and we'd prepared the night before, and it's all about picking locations, checking tides, making sure your gear is ready, and waxing up your, your board, and having all the right equipment, leg ropes, rashies, wetsuits, whatever you might need for the conditions that might uh, you might experience. And so we did get some good waves. And the whole point of that reflection on my little summer holiday is that for leaders, it's about understanding where their team is at understanding how customers might be feeling or thinking and looking at what are the trends that are going to impact the organisation and taking the time before they impact the organisation, before that wave hits to actually be prepared in terms of what are the communication messages you need to get through to give people the information to take the action that they need to take. So it's all about equipping people with insights so they can take the right action.
0: Absolutely. And I'm not surprised you got in there a little surfing analogy and metaphor. I'm very on brand for you, Jeff. And it is a really good one, though, to be prepared for what's coming next, like the waves and the tides and, and things like that. And speaking of summer break, uh, at our virtual event where we talked about these trends that we're going to sort of explore explain in today's episode, we had a couple of polls of our attendees. And one of the questions was, what summer break most energized you for 2022? And we had a few options. We had time in nature, reading, watching shows, time with loved ones, time off devices, pursuing hobbies, and (laughs) a bit of a comic relief one, nothing. I'm still exhausted, which thankfully only 4% of respondents sort of selected that option but interestingly time in nature was the most uh, selected response followed by time with loved ones and the third option a fair bit down in terms of percentage wise was reading and time off devices so very good to see uh, that people were able to have a bit of a break over the last few weeks of the summer holidays but another area that we tested a little bit more serious was the top blockers that people uh, that stops people from sort of understanding the trends and it is was expanding on what Mark McCrindle shared in our last episode of the podcast uh, and we found that 47% of our uh, attendees to this virtual event said it was the line of sight limitation that stopped them. So sort of only being able to see a certain amount down the road, not looking at that sort of drone perspective, but just what's coming ahead immediately. Uh, the second response was obsession with radical change. So we tend to look at those um, very yeah, radical elements of change rather than the slow burn type ones that maybe are happening slowly over time, but have big impacts. And the third um, area that people said stopped them from understanding the trends was single direction deception. So yeah, some really interesting insights there from our virtual event this morning. Not that we were giving, but that we were receiving from our attendees.
1: Yeah, it was it was great to get some new data and and it was excellent to hear Mark talk about those five trend blockers. And and it's really interesting that that line of sight limitation, uh, Mark used the metaphor of it's like if you're driving a car and you can only see out the window, you don't see from a drone perspective, that uh, higher level perspective, uh, a 30,000 foot view of what are the terrain changes that are coming up, what are the weather conditions that might be coming up on the journey metaphor there. So it's a great opportunity, I think, for leaders at the start of the year. I know February's upon us and might be already feeling like you're in the in the trenches but it's still the right time to make sure that you've got the uh, big picture perspective so it's a great opportunity for people who and and well done to the 200 plus people who joined today's event it was wonderful to see so many different people from different organizations there so thanks for tuning in uh, but certainly an opportunity for people still to watch that recording and we'll look forward to being a bit more uh, uh, relaxed in our sharing today on those trends but it's going to be great to uh, discuss them and, and help people learn about what we see is coming up so that people can prepare for the, for the year ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Mark, as you said, Jeff, he shared those uh, blockers that people can have towards anticipating the trends. And then you and I shared uh, four trends each that we're going to talk about in today's episode. Uh, And we had a few meetings over the last few weeks around these trends with our advisory team and looking at the research insights we've gathered and understanding the lay of the land so that we can help people um, and hopefully present them in a very succinct way. So let's dive into trend number one, Jeff. Uh, You were presenting this one, what we've called two-speed growth. Now, can you just elaborate on what we mean by that trend?
1: Yeah, this is uh, not just talking about economic growth. This is much more of a population uh, narrative. It's the demographic shifts that are occurring. And this is where we're saying there's actually two real stories going on side by side. It's the uh, reduced population growth that uh, Australia and many other nations might be experiencing, but particularly Australia is a a land that has grown through net overseas migration, where people have come here for uh, work, could be coming for family visas or humanitarian visas. And uh, with global border closures, a lot of that has actually gone backwards. We lost 88,000 people uh, to net overseas migration in the financial year, just completed uh, 2021 financial year. So it's it's a reduction in growth there, but it's also a reduction in growth with uh, lowest fertility rates on record in Australia. So uh, the births per women has uh, declined to its lowest record levels, and that will come back up, we expect, but it's it's slow population growth. Uh, and at the same time, while capital cities might be experiencing a bit of a, a exodus, we've got regional areas that are experiencing unprecedented, there's that word again, <laughs> uh, population growth through net internal migration. So people are shifting locations and so there's incredibly low vacancy rates as well across the uh, regional areas at the moment. So it's two-speed growth because while there's slower growth in some areas, it's faster than ever in others. So it's a real, uh, there's not just one story going on here when it comes to the demographics.
0: Yeah. And it's a rare day that people don't hear us talking about population stats or demographics. So certainly an important story. Again, probably one of those less uh, radical changes that maybe the general population is thinking of, but we know it has big impacts on workforce and skills and shortages that few of us, you know, as consumers have experienced over the last uh, few weeks as well and on different industries. So that was definitely a really, Important trend, and that kicked off our trends event uh, today. I shared a trend around what we call new fe- what we've called new federalism. So let me explain that it's a little around little bit around politics, around legislation, and effectively until the pandemic, there was a bit of talk, especially uh, in Australia, about us being overregulated and stripping away the state element of government. Then come in, uh, come I guess comes in COVID nineteen COVID nineteen hit, and that's really changed the landscape uh, in terms of the power not resting with the federal government, but resting with state premiers and state government and all of us tuning into those 11am COVID updates and knowing a lot of information about not just our own premier, but about all the premiers of different states and what their regulations were impacting our travel ability. So a bit of a a difference there and not just at the state of origin time of year where we go, this is what state I belong to, but a bit more of that identification with Uh, The state that we have. And we found in our research last year that more than half, 52% of Australians have an increased sense of pride with their state since COVID 19 border changes. So a little bit of a trend politically towards. our identity trending back to state governments and the rise of their sort of legislative power. And of course, 2022 this year, we'll probably see that play out in a number of different ways, especially because it's the year of a federal election. Uh, And so the trust of Australians there are really going to be put to the test. Um, And of course, we've had good compliance in many areas uh, of of Australians with those restrictions that have kept us safe. But what that looks like moving forward as, yeah, the power sort of shifts. So that was a bit of a political uh, trend that we were seeing already and that we can expect to see in the coming um, months over 2022. And Jeff, another one, another trend that you were sharing about was something we called intentional lifestyling. Can you explain what we mean by that trend over the next year?
1: Yeah, this is a fascinating one because what we see is that people will be making uh, the decision to live in different areas like states based on how the governments have responded to COVID. And for example, we've got the WA office, we've got a Perth hub and Perth's had a fantastic run in terms of living COVID free and relatively very limited uh, numbers of uh, days in lockdown. And so Mm. people have had the opportunity to select a location uh, to live in with great lifestyle. And that's not just based on political <laughs> response to COVID, mm-hmm. but that's around opportunities for moving uh, to a regional area because of the work-from-home trend, this biggest shift to work in 100 years. So I think intentional lifestyle what we're really saying here is that during the pandemic, people really slowed down. They thought about life. They may have even been confronted with uh, a very close feel to mortality. It's a global pandemic where we're tracking and watching things like death numbers, not just case numbers or hospitalizations, daily facing at those briefing calls uh, the reality of, of our mortality. And so it's making people stop and think, what's the best way to live and how do I pursue those values and make life decisions like where to live, where to work, those career changes, slowing down, maybe taking on a bit less responsibility so people have more time for the things and people uh, that they love. So certainly in the uh, event today, I, I went through nine uh, factors that influence lifestyling. I can't recall them all off <laughs> of my head, but I think I've covered a few of them there. And certainly uh, we'll chat more about that if that's helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the intentional lifestyling one, I think many of us can identify with, int- whether that was, like you said, our job or our home or even just how we spend our time and um I remember in one of our recent discussions, we were talking about COVID-19 and the experience of the last couple of years being more of a full stop than a pause uh, because it's been sort of that prolonged amount of time. We've been in the pandemic now for two years, uh, unbelievably in some ways. And yeah, it has been those moments in lockdown or in extended periods of isolation where we've had to, like you said, confront some of those elements of our life and even moving forward being just that more intentional around what we want to spend our time doing is it is it the commute is it working where we currently are if maybe we're not being appreciated or valued or we don't find that alignment of values anymore so people are yeah fully reevaluating what they think is important to them and that leads pretty well into trend number 4 that i shared which was what we've called the great retention now Maybe people are going, isn't it the Great Resignation? That's what we've been hearing heaps about. Um, And yes, we did did share some insights about the Great Resignation in the event today. And we have talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, So the Great Resignation describes the anticipated trend. And I think it's based on the US. We saw some of this happening over there before it's hit Australia, where there's a significant number of workers leaving their jobs because of the pandemic. And while this trend isn't a certainty in terms of it being the Great Resignation, the conditions are pretty ripe for it to occur, even here in Australia. Uh, a recent study found that almost half of workers say they planned to look for a new job in the next six months. So that's a high proportion. And again, there's a few reasons for that. Like you said, sh- you, like you Jeff, that intentional lifestyling trend is at play where people are, we've been given the time to pause and reflect and evaluate our working situation and our job. But also over the last couple of years, it hasn't I imagine for many people being the right time to make a change with regards to their employment because if you're feeling stable in a very unstable context with lockdown, with COVID, with uh, border restrictions, with closing of industries, maybe that's not the right time to make a change. But now as conditions may be... Um, stabilize a little bit, People, we, we might see people making that change. We've got, like we shared earlier, sort of workforce shortages as a result of no migrants coming into Australia. So all of this is sort of creating an employee's market. And what we wanted to talk about is not the great, reten- uh, great resignation, but rather the flip side of that, the opportunity that exists for leaders for the great retention where people can be and hopefully leaders of, of organizations can be intentional about the culture that they set, about the opportunities that are given to staff about the purpose of the organisation, ways to attract and retain staff so that they can avoid the great resignation happening. So, yeah, that was a trend that we sort of touched on. But any reflections there on changes to work and the great retention, Jeff?
1: Yeah, it's certainly an opportunity with low unemployment. I think it's down to 4.2% unemployment in Australia. And so there's a staff shortage and we've certainly experienced the crises of those with uh, people having to isolate whether they might have had COVID or been a close contact. But it's it's a broader labour shortage, as we talked about with a reduction in our population due to a decline through net overseas migration. We've got low wages growth that's happened historically for, for maybe five, six years. And so the chance, I think, is for employers to consider what's the way to retain staff as they also try to attract staff. It's an opportunity to evaluate and, and explore with staff. What's What's the value proposition for working in this organisation? What's the retention factors that will motivate people to stay and to uh, champion that organization's purpose and their impact? So it's a great moment, I think, for leaders, again, to prepare for the future, knowing that the conditions we're in, uh, there is opportunities naturally for people to jump ship and to look elsewhere for that pay rise or increase or a different location, but why 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 let people uh, take a better job elsewhere? Why not create a better job right where they are, where you already know them, you already built the trust. So it's a great moment for people to consider how to do that.
0: Yeah, and hopefully leaders, I think hopefully they're not too scared by the great resignation. If anything, just being aware that it might happen, but also feeling empowered to actually yeah make those changes in their organisation so that they can hopefully have the great retention taking place. Um, another consumer change that we talked about in our event and uh, our predictions. For the year ahead, so trend number five we called revenge spending. Uh, now, Jeff, you were tasked with sharing this at our event today. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit on what this trend is all about?
1: Yeah, this is a fun one. I, I think this will be uh, fun for some. Now, revenge spending is really about saying that there's a part of the society that has uh, saved up some cash during the recession that we went through, maybe even benefited with some of the stimulus that has been provided by the government. People who are in a better position now financially because of lockdowns and maybe saving up what was some of their uh, weekly spending money, now that there's an opportunity to spend it. And when that opportunity is right, they'll They'll go big, they'll go uh, go lavish. And so the real motivator behind this we found was that three in five uh, Australians, they want to spend money to create experiences for spending time with their loved ones. So expect those family meals out, not to s- just be the the main course and maybe sharing a dessert. I think you'll see places that can provide a really lavish experience uh, being able to be seized by consumers. So it's a, it's a time where people have saved up some money When the moment is there and it's safe, and they can gather the family and no one's got the symptoms, and people can get out, expect a a bigger bill than you might normally see. And it might be the one off expense, whereas previously it might have been the weekly uh, meal or the monthly meal together. This might be the big, lavish expense, particularly as global borders reopen. Now, certainly that'll be the thing to. uh, Watch and see through 2022, and as families uh, can reunite, and we've got in Australia three in ten Australians were born overseas, so we are connected to a global family here in Australia. And so, as families can reconnect, watch for those big spending moments as people spend time with their loved ones.
0: Mm, And I had to laugh um, when you were sharing in the trends event about that how we named it. You know, it sounds a bit like revenge spending. Ooh, revenge—that word. You know, but it's it is hopefully a positive thing for like. Organizations who and restaurants, hospitality industry who might have yeah suffered from closed doors in lockdowns and hopefully people when we feel comfortable are ready to step out and and spend and sort of kickstart the economy and consumers and I'm I'm a bit the same like I've um, I shared on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that I'd been in a series like a couple of weeks of um, isolation due to contracting COVID and um, when I was, like in that lockdown, I was like thinking about all the things that i not allowed to do that I really want to go back out and go out for dinner and just those things because we kind of, yeah, we weren't allowed to do them. Um, and I guess I, I appreciated what you shared there, Jeff, as well, that It might not be everyone who is in that same boat. Not all of us have had an equal experience with the pandemic. Um, Maybe not everyone has been able to save money, but for those who have, uh, hopefully it is a time after years of lockdowns and cancellations and postponements, people are sort of hopefully ready to get back to spending and make up for that lost time on on lavish experiences.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think it's it's good to acknowledge that we're not all out of this and certainly uh, industries that need the support and businesses uh, that need the support, hopefully they are able to access that. Uh, but I think on a personal level, you're exactly right that whether it's a few weeks of being in lockdowns or whether it's a few months, I even uh, was planning to buy new shoes uh, back in 2020 for work. And there uh, I was sitting in my Ugg boots working from home and uh, quite happy doing that. But when I had to buy boots, I went big. <laughs> so the spend the spend was there after two years of saving up some, uh, some cash. So I anticipate that that will be for luxury goods, whether it's clothing, whether it's purchasing a new car or the holiday uh, experiences, whether it's the camper vans, we've certainly seen the demand for those Australian outdoor uh, experiences go up and that I expect will continue even when borders reopen. I think we'll be prepared to spend to have those quality time moments with our loved ones.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another consumer trend that we talked about today is something we called social impact and we see this again it's a bit of a consumer trend among consumers that there is a growing focus and there has been for a couple of years on things like sustainability uh, environmental impact and ethical purchasing so Us As consumers today, we are increasingly considering these elements of the brands that we engage with and the products that we buy and the organizations that we choose to support. Um, And we know that sustainability and environmental consciousness is driving consumer behavior. Um, We found that 57% of consumers say they increase engagement with the organizations that behave ethically in interactions. So we know there's an increasing expectation, but what we mean by the idea of social impact is that consumers today are expecting organizations to communicate the impact that they're having in a positive way and I think what's been really interesting is that it's it is being driven by younger consumers the generation Zs and even the generation Alphas I remember uh, a survey we conducted a a little while back and we found 80% of parents have had their actions or consumption decisions influenced to be more environmentally aware by their Generation Alpha children. So we're talking about kids uh, under the age of sort of 12 years, so in the primary school or even younger. So there is that idea and and what we um, are doing a lot of research in at the moment that we're going to share at, a fut- at, a, an ev- at an upcoming event about the not-for-profit sector is social impact reporting. And what we mean by that is the process of communicating not just the activities undertaken by an organisation but the outcomes, the changes that have occurred because of it. So it can be likened to organisations being accountable to the impact on stakeholders, individuals and the communities that they support. And our research very strongly suggests that organisations who do that, who report the positive social impact they have are more likely to build trust with consumers and also that consumers are more likely to engage with organisations that clearly communicate that impact. And communicating that is almost half the the challenge in terms of if you're measuring it, making sure you communicate it well in this information overload, message saturated time that we all live in. But it's certainly something that we're seeing even with a lot of our clients. Um, Jeff. and I know you work closely with a lot who are yeah wanting to measure that social impact through research and also communicate that as well.
1: Yeah, it's certainly a key part, I think, of every organisation in this day and age to not just report on their profits, or if they're a charity, report on their donations, but it's to share about the impact they have on humanity, on their staff and their customers, their donors, but also on the planet. And this is, I think, where it's that uh, triple bottom line of people, profits and planet to make sure that we're accountable for our actions and certainly every industry uh, This is applicable for whether you're in mining or uh, agriculture or technology or in pharmaceutical uh, education. We've all got a responsibility to share how we are looking after one another and how we pursue that end goal, whether that be profit uh, or donations, whatever it might be it, in all the different industries. So it's a real key one for a lot of organisations to get across because the transparency builds trust. That's the key point, I think, mm. with this one. So making sure that you share that authentically, accurately, and uh, something that I think we'll see a lot more of in 2022.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And hopefully, again, for a positive outcome in many cases. Um, Another trend, we're up to trend number seven. So, we're almost uh, at our eighth trend, but not yet because trend number seven is really interesting. Uh, This is called relational fitness. And Jeff, you were um, sharing all about this, doing a little background research. What were we talking about with this trend?
1: Yeah, we've gone through the lockdowns and this is about rebuilding that social uh, relational muscle. It's about learning how to flex again. Now, not to impress people, but it's learning how to actually use those muscles we've not used for a little while. And uh, we found that three in five Australians have lost confidence in the ability to organize and attend social events. And so what it's really about is actually helping people get back into community, whether that be the workforce, 70% of Australians find community in their job in showing up and actually meeting with people, whether that's virtually or in person. It's about helping people connect up more than just with their uh, families that they might have been doing some bubble tainment with, where they might just go out in their little safe family cohort and try and pick nice, safe locations. And we know that this is an era where it's actually a bit of a hassle to go out. We created this new uh, little acronym, HOGO, which is about the hassle of going out after we've been through the FOMO, where you fear missing out, uh, the f- uh, Jomo, where you have the joy of missing out. We've now up to the point where it's a hassle actually to go out. We also know that there's a bit of um, joy in going out for those that are feeling confident. So there is the Jogo, J-O-G-O. Uh, but I think most people probably have a little bit of social anxiety as we emerge from forced lockdowns and also these self-preservation lockdowns. We might be hesitant to get back into community and showing up to the office or getting kids back into school communities. And so I think the solution is a Aussie meat pie. Now, what do I mean? I'm not saying we need to go out and eat meat pies with people. That will turn off a lot of our vegan <laughs> listeners. And sorry for that. What, what I mean is it's an acronym. Uh, P is for practicing empathy. Uh, this is about understanding other people's experience over these last few months and years. So asking some good questions to understand what are people comfortable to do? So it's a good listening moment using empathy. The I in PI, P-I, is about increasing communication, and that's where I think the point is, we actually need to spend some extra time planning events, checking in with people, communicating that we don't have symptoms, and picking locations that are gonna work for everyone's needs and experiences. So the PI, I think, is really important. P for practicing empathy, I for increasing communication, and the E is for embracing intentionality. We actually gotta plan something. You remember your 2020 calendar and it was just plans up to uh, February and March and then nothing from April, May, June and onwards. It was just an empty calendar. We're starting 2022 probably with an empty calendar, but it's okay to fill it. We might not want as much in the calendar, but this is a moment to think through what actually matters. Who do I want to spend some time with? And and I love that even in that. uh, survey question we asked in today's event. People said they felt recharged after spending time with their loved ones, after being locked up with them. That's pretty <laughs> encouraging that that was the second top response. But moving beyond that close circle that we've had a bubble attainment experience with, who are those people in community we need to meet up with? And we've got different generations, different communities, different cultures that have had very different experiences during the lockdowns. And it's a great moment to rebuild the great Aussie spirit in our community. So I encourage people to Meet pie. Remember to practice uh, the p i e of practice empathy, increase communication, and embrace intentionality.
0: Yeah, I think that's so excellent, and you presented that so well, Jeff. even just then around, yeah, the the understanding that, you know, we understand, and our research has shown almost three in five Australians, fifty eight percent, are less confident in organising and participating in social activities after the last two years. And I can identify with that stat. I'm sure you can as well, in terms of yeah, that hesitancy to go out or the hassle or the all the things we have to go through, like you mentioned. But just then, you you gave some really great, really well articulated um, tips around practicing empathy and upping the communication and the planning, um, and yeah, having empathy with with others, with ourselves, having a bit of grace, but also making sure we don't, like you said, sort of stay. You know, in our bubbles too much, but we do, even though it might be a little bit out of our comfort zone after not doing it too much for the last two years, making sure we step out, serving others in our community, connecting with others, because that is so important to our own well being, but also to those uh, in our lives. So, really important, really well articulated there, Jeff. And the last trend. Bit of a fun one. You saved one. the
1: best. You saved the best <laughs> till it last. I love that this is the eighth trend. Get ready. I folks. was
0: like I was, when I was planning this episode, I was like, do I put it at the front? I put it at the end. I don't know. But we talk it, here. We go. The, the eighth trend, uh, which I was tasked, and I was a little bit nervous about um presenting this to our clients and our you know consumers at McCrindle in our virtual event, is the metaverse. And part of me was like, you know, when I was doing the research and even presenting it in the event, I was like, is this the biggest buzzword of 2022, or is it an actual trend? You know, and we we dropped it last year or meta was dropped last year from Mark Zuckerberg um cause of and I think some people are like is it just a rebrand of Facebook what does this new concept mean what is this next iteration of the um internet um, sort of coming to life mean and what we really see it being is a meeting of the virtual and the physical and the digital world and it's really where a lot of our emerging generation are already operating in sort of prototype metaverses in Fortnite, in Minecraft as I got upskilled and learnt about from my nieces and nephews over the weekend who were playing that um, and yeah, Roblox as well and it's really the young gamers of today who are going to be the architects of the metaverse and we're already seeing some pretty big brands, global brands, organisations creating um, products or NFTs uh, in this uh, virtual reality gaming digital community world. So, yeah, a really interesting uh, concept. But, Jeff, any any personal reflections on the metaverse?
1: Yeah, I love it. I think this is (laughs) such a fascinating one because, as you say, there's a part of, I think, some people who would listen to this going, this is it, this is going to be the future. There'll be other people who are just thinking, I can't believe people can buy buy virtual real estate. I can't believe people will buy digital uh, designs. Why would they spend so much money on something that doesn't even exist? (laughs) But the reality is the digital and virtual world does exist because it connects to our identity. It's about our perception. It's about our experience in a digital world that will become even more integrated with the physical, with our social world. And we've lived on a social platform for more than a decade now on multiple social platforms. This is that next evolution of that experience. And so it's no surprise that there'll be digital currencies in that next iteration. And so people are already spending money on these gaming platforms to create that next perception in that platform. It's about acquiring different elements or appearances. And certainly I think the evolution of digital currencies will will follow that. And we, I think, see that this is not just a uh, maybe a little blip on the radar, but this will be the next big thing, not just something to watch in 2022, uh, but also something to watch over the decade ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you have it, friends. Our top trends for 2022, very eloquently, I believe, uh, explained from Jeff here and, and hopefully from, my, from myself as well, but so valuable to have you on the podcast today, Jeff. And um, we've we referenced it a few times in the podcast episode, but we did uh, record and present a virtual event all about these trends, uh, with some slides, with some more stats. We sort of went in some more depth than we have in the podcast today. If people are keen to find out more or see or watch the event recording, is there somewhere they can go to do that?
1: Yeah, the best place will be to jump on our website, head to our blog, where you can uh, find these top trends just introduced, and we'll have a link there to. Uh, Watch the recording. And there is a lot more content that we've uh, shared in that event than we've talked about today. There's a lot of slides that has mentioned as well. And it's a great introduction from Mark on those five uh, trend spotting blockers as well. So well worth checking that out.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming back on the podcast. It's always a delight to have you and I look forward to the next time we have you on.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ash. Great to be with everyone.
0: And if, as always, if people are enjoying the podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Uh, to stay up to date with our latest insights, you can always subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Uh, so once again, thanks for tuning in to today's episode all about the trends of 2022. And we'll see you again next week for another episode of the Future Report podcast. So thanks for listening and bye for now.